We, um, we came to the end of our uh, psalm series last week, and, um, and this week uh, we mentioned that we are launching as a community, as a church family, into 14 days of prayer and fasting. And so this morning we wanted to just circle around that to, to speak to it, to encourage us, to get a moment just to reflect on what is prayer, what is fasting, where are we going over the next 14 days, but importantly to, to set, I think, some of the trajectory that I think the Lord wants to not just do in this season, but ultimately what I think he wants to stir in our hearts. Probably a lot of you will experience in this church family that um, we're not very programmatic. We don't have a bunch of things going on. Um, And that's not because we're lazy or we can't be bothered doing anything. It's because we're far more concerned in building people than programs. We're far more interested in creating a culture than just creating a rhythm of religious meetings. Like that's really something that we know God's asked us to do and we're figuring out how we do that along the way. But in this whole area of prayer and what we want to highlight this morning and by way of actually stepping into this 14-day season that we are really believing and that God has stirred our hearts in this whole area of prayer such that he wants to do something in our lives individually and he wants to um, catalyze something in our lives in this season that we would see go far beyond 14 days that we would set ourselves to prayer and fasting that actually there would be something that God would do in the next 14 days that would begin to change the way that we see prayer change the way that we engage with that normal Christian life of intimacy with the Father and how our communication with him would become clear would become concise it would be part of the normal rhythm of our lives and so rather than um, building a heavy program of church prayer meetings we want to actually see God do something really strategic in these next 14 days that would would really shape our community at the whole foundational infrastructure level around a culture of prayer. So I'm, you know, I'm believing that that's what God wants to do, but there's a level of intentionality on our part to begin to step into that, right? That, you know, we can have, um, we can have principles that we say yes to, we can find truth in God's word that we say yes to, but ultimately it means nothing if we don't set the trajectory of our lives towards those things, right? And that carries a level of intentionality. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I go to the gym. And here's the thing. I, for years, yeah, it's true, true story. Um, For years, I I was off and on in terms of my relationship with fitness and food and all of the things accompanied with that. But quite honestly, the, the, the whole thing that I realized a few years ago is that it is really my intentionality that towards what I want to see happen that holds the key to me actually doing and becoming what I actually want to do and what I want to become, right? And so this seed of intentionality is something that I'm the only one that is responsible for that. Like, how many, how many of you have already given up on your New Year's resolutions? Anyone? You're all, li- you're all lying. But here's the thing. Like, how many of you have ever felt good about yourself when you signed up for, like, a cheap gym deal and then just never went? Like the intentionality is not I'm going to pay the money. The intentionality is I'm actually going to do something about it. I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to make it beneficial towards my fitness journey. And hey, here's the thing. I really feel like in our journey of maturity and strength and health in Jesus, as we follow him and not just learn principles about what it is to live the normal Christian life, but actually to be highly intentional about how we build the infrastructure of life and the rhythm of life, both individually and corporately, that there's, there's a high level of intentionality. It is what I talked about last week in terms of absolutely our life 
being a, a, a devotional act of worship in response to everything the Lord's done, but recognizing we need to be highly disciplined in our choices. And so in this whole area of prayer, we want to um, begin this journey recognizing this is not a, a, a window of time. It is not a program that we're stepping into. It's not just an assigned moment. It's not a ticking the box of prayer or fasting for a moment. But we're believing the Lord could do something in our lives and our hearts in the next 14 days that would really set the trajectory of our prayer life. How many of you would love that? Like, I'm in for that. Doing 14 days of prayer and fasting and then kind of walking away from it, not really interested. But Lord's setting something in my life that changes my life, changes your life, changes even the nature and destiny of our city. I'm interested in something like that, right? So anyway, we want to... um, dive into this really by framing the next 14 days in terms of this, this cultural defining um, phrase, which is that we want to be a pray-first community. We want to be a pray-first community. Like, I'm well aware of all the things that the churches want to be. I'm aware that we, we want to be a creative church. We want to be a relational church. We want to find family and community. We want to be a missional church. We absolutely want to respond to the call of God in our lives to make disciples of all nations. We want to be a growing church. We want to be a worshiping church. There are so many things that we, we want to walk in and become. And that's one of, the, one of the phrases that we have over our community life is, who are we becoming? Like that's a really important question to hold in front of ourselves individually, but also corporately. Who are we becoming? And there are a myriad of things that, that we could point to and say, that's who we want to become. That's who we are becoming. But this issue of prayer is something that I want to place right at the very center, right at the very foundational building blocks of who we're becoming. That we want to be a pray-first community. We're not a pray-only community. There's other things for us to do. There are other things when you look at what the normal Christian life looks like, what it looks like to really follow Jesus. There are a huge amount of things for us to give our lives to. And so we're not a pray-only. It's not like we're all going to become intercessory missionaries, quit our jobs, all move into the same house together. That sounds like a nightmare, right? (laughs) Um, Like, that's that's not what we feel like. But we are wanting to be a pray-first community. That's the culture we want to build. And I want to start really by... By anchoring ourselves to really the narrative of scripture in terms of what the early church found themselves in this whole dynamic of the prayer culture that they owned and lived and what it looked like. So we can maybe take our eyes off maybe the form of prayer that we've maybe known historically, which which would be when the church calls a gathering of prayer called the prayer meeting. We meet in one place and we're bored to tears for uh, for an hour. Like if we could just park that one for a second, maybe look at what it looked like for the early church to nurture the, the journey of prayer, I think there's a lot for us to find. Pete Gregg, who was in the city yesterday, I hung out with him a little bit. I, I love Pete. He's the founder of 24-7 Prayer, just a great friend and a great um, builder of, and equipper of the body of Christ in the whole area of prayer. And realized that you know, he's so strategically placed and other um, prayer ministries to really resource and encourage and equip the church. He said this, he said, the hinge of history is a bended knee. And what he's acknowledging is, is, the, is the power in the reality and concept of prayer to shape the history of my life and the future of my life and the lives of people around me. And in fact, I believe the history of a city, perhaps even a nation, that we could actually take seriously the, the, the seed dynamic of what prayer is as we plant it in the ground and it begins to have roots in our lives and begins to produce fruit in the lives of others 
in our workplace, in our families, in our city, that, that prayer is ultimately that seed that we get to plant. So let's dive into Acts, and you can join in with this. I'm going to do a whistle-stop tour of the book of Acts. Um, I may get bored of reading, and so we may stop, but this is a great exercise for you to do because the, the first part of Acts um, is just riddled with this um, beautiful story of how the early church um, engaged themselves in the normal practice of prayer. So as we read this, if you've got your Bibles, you can open uh, them up to Acts. We're going to be running through it slightly fast. But um, when we come to the word prayer, if you want to, you can join in. And you can, if it says pray, you can say pray with me. It's just a fun way of engaging, right? (laughs) You can smile. It's church. It's really all right. All right. Acts 1 verse 14. They all join together constantly in. Oh, very good. (laughs) Along with the women. And Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Acts 1, 24. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two have chosen. Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to... Listen, here's a little snapshot in Acts 2, right at the very end of, of the... You know, often churches will read Acts 2.42 and it'll become like a tick box. We need to make sure all of these things are done. But actually they're an invitation to a cultural norm of what the community of faith really looks like. This is what the Amplified Version, how it describes those verses. They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to fellowship, to eating meals together, which we like, and to prayer. It's right in the very infrastructure of the fabric of the body of Christ, the the collective nature of of Jesus' followers was this rhythm of prayer. Acts 3 verse 1, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of three in the afternoon. Acts 4, 23 to 24, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people reporting all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in to God. Acts 4.31. After they, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Acts 6 verse 4. And we'll, is this one on there? There's one that's missing. It's just there to throw me. Acts 6.4. And we'll give our attention to and to the ministry of the word. Acts 6 verse 6. They presented these men to the apostles who and laid hands on them. Acts 7, 59, while they were stoning him, Stephen, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Here's a moment when Stephen, in a a moment of great um, trial and great tribulation, he's literally having stones thrown at him. He is arrested in that moment to turn his attention to pray. Acts 8, verse 15, when they arrived, they for the new believers there, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 8.22, repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. Acts 8.24, then Simon answered, pray to the Lord. This one isn't there, right? That was the one. It was coming. Acts 9 verse 11, the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is... Praying. Acts 9 verse 40, Peter sent them out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and he prayed, 
Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. Acts 10 verse 2, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Acts 10 verse 4, Cornelius um, stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Acts 10 verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up onto the roof to pray. Acts 10 verse 30. Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me. Acts 10 31. And, uh, and said, Cornelius, God had heard your prayer. And remembered your gifts to the poor. Acts 11 verse 5. I was in the city of Joppa. And in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheep being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to where I was. Acts 12 verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly for God, um, to God for him. Acts 12 verse 12. When, he had, uh, when, he, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark where people were gathered and were praying. And it goes on and on. I encourage you, this, this week as we're launching into this journey of 14 days of prayer and fasting, spend some time in the book of Acts. Just see the rhythm and the nature of the way prayer pops up. Not once did we necessarily see a church prayer meeting, but we saw a rhythm of individuals, of gatherings of people, of before something happened, there was prayer. When after something had happened, there was prayer. You see people on a journey, taking a walk and being and stopping and going up on a roof. We find that there are places of prayer. That there are moments when there are gatherings together where there's a laying hands on of prayer. There are moments when people are praying for people. There are moments when the body of Christ, the early church, was aware of something that was going on and they prayed. There's just this rich tapestry of, of moments that surrounded the early church's life as individuals and as a group that was marked by prayer. And it wasn't routine and it wasn't religion, it was life. And every moment that, that the, the disciples found and the early church found these moments to pray, be it because they needed uh, God to, to break through in a situation or they needed to celebrate for the breakthrough. And everything in between. And so for the early Christians who followed Jesus, they discovered this essential nature of prayer. They discovered this intimate connection with God and that prayer became the, the dialogue place. It became the intimate space. No matter what was going on in life, like I say, whether they were taking a trip and all of a sudden, like, um, like Peter, he needed to step aside and go up on a roof and pray, or whether it was a group of believers that needed to gather around a specific situation and pray throughout the rhythm of their lives, either individual or together, they found this place of deep intimacy with God that came through their ability to talk to him. It wasn't prescribed as a programmatic approach to intimacy with God. That almost just sounds crazy. Why would we want a prescribed way of having intimacy with God when he invites us in every moment of every day to have intimacy through our conversation with him? Why would we box it off towards some form of church activity that we have to do that often is so boring? There's a life that comes when we actually understand what the invitation that God has for us in our dialogue and in our prayer. 
And prayer was this constant conversation with God. They talked to him. They walked with him. They allowed this culture of prayer to be nurtured in their lives. And it defined what they did. It defined where they went. And it defined the activities of life. It formed and forged something so profound that prayer really was at the fulcrum point of the early church's direction. And that's why as we step into this 14 days of prayer and fasting, my prayer is not that we go through some sense of duty-bound, obligated moment of prayer where we battle and grit our teeth through 14 days of pain. No, I pray that God, in his beautiful way, would draw us into a place of intimacy in the next 14 days that would mark the rest of our lives. Like, I don't want to put, I don't want to ham this up too much, but the reality is, is these moments can be so catalytic, and I'm hungry for that myself. Like, that's what I want for myself, that these next 14 days wouldn't be something that I duty about, duty, you know, because we lead the church, we're going to have to, you know, fast. Like, I don't want it to be going through the motions. I want the Lord to do something in my life that changes the directory of my life, of my family's life, of my children's life. I want to go, I want to go discover this week some of the things that, that God is speaking about my kids so I can pray their destiny for the next 20, 30, 40 years of my life. That's what I want to find in the next 14 days. Something that marks my life and changes the way that I do relationship with God. And so that's what we're really going after. I want Sarah to talk a little bit about how that marries with this journey of fasting and what we're hoping for and believing for in this next few days. Alrighty. You know, so it's super clear, like prayer absolutely was part of the early church, just normal walking with Jesus. And, um, and it, it didn't always, you can't, it's not like you can only pray if you're fasting, right? You can pray all the time at all situations. And prayer is, it's just talking to God and listening to what he has to say. You know, genuinely, I've heard multiple times, oh, I'm just not a good prayer. It's like, that's not even a thing. It's like you're good or bad. It's like you just communicate with God, talk to him, and then listen to what he says. Like, to, but there is a, there's a definitely clear biblical principle that actually there are times when we pray and fast. Like fasting is seen right the way through the Old and New Testament. Um, and I'm not in any way going to do an, you know, unpack everything the Bible says about fasting. But you know, when, if you look at the, um, the things that Jesus says about fasting, um, it's, not a, it's not a requirement. It's not commanded specifically of us, you must. But it is pretty clearly communicated that it's kind of expected that we will. So Jesus says, when you fast, he basically says, don't go around looking miserable and awful. You know, have a decent shower and look all right. <laughs> Paraphrased. But his, his opening gambit is when you fast, not if you fancy it, if it's particularly your cup of tea. It's when you fast, do it like this, right? In the same way that he says, when you give, when you pray. And I don't think any of us as Christians would say, well, you know, praying and giving is kind of just, we'd be all right with that one. But somehow we sort of think fasting is, is maybe for the sort of crazy extreme fringe Christians. But that's not how Jesus saw it. You know, when you fast, just the same as when you pray, when you give, it's pretty normal for all of us. Okay. So fasting is, it's, it really, it's voluntarily giving up something that we normally consume or do so that we can increase our focus on God. So it's twofold. It, yes, is giving something up, but it's in order to focus on and gain something so much more important. And for biblically, fasting is always food. Um, but I, absolutely, I think there is there's ways that we can fast other things, um, things that we other things we might normally consume um, that are also going to help us refocus on the Lord. But we really do see prayer and fasting going together. Um, you know. It, and, in terms of us trying to understand what it is, it's probably helpful to just clarify some of the things fasting isn't. So fasting is not 
like a hunger strike. It's not like it's a way that we sort of, you know, like have a standoff with God to make, you know, like the toddler who's like, you will eat four more bits of pasta and then you can have the yogurt. And it's it, like, it's not that. It's not us trying to manipulate or twist God's arm to do the things that we want him to do. It's not that at all. Um, it's not a health detox, weight loss program. I mean, that may be a secondary benefit, but that's not the purpose or the point, right? It's also definitely not about a tick box going through a religious motion. It's not like a religious duty we have to do. Prayer and fasting is actually one of the ways a lifestyle of devotion and discipline to God looks like. So Phil was talking about that last week, saying, listen, we are, you know, we're called to live out of devotion to God because of the incredible devotion he's poured to us. But that looks like something. So part of our devotion is that we choose to live disciplined lives. And, and prayer and fasting is that. It is a discipline. It's not easy. You know, so if the thing that, you know, you're feeling like, I'm going to fast this, if that is super easy, you might want to think about fasting something else, right? It is a discipline. It's a choice. No, like you do not have to do it. It's totally a choice, but it is a discipline, but it's, it's choosing. It's basically how a way that my devotion and discipline life, it gets outworked. It looks like something, you know, choosing to focus on God and recognizing how completely reliant I am on him for everything. Um, it's how we walk out this beautiful devotion to God. But it really does go together. And it's one of the ways that we strengthen and we walk in and by faith. So I want to have a look at um, and it really interesting interaction in Matthew 17. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation because I like the way it translates. Um, so it's Matthew 17, verses 14 to 21. And just to say, if you're looking in your Bible, some modern translations don't include verse 21, which is the important one I want to focus in on. So if you don't, you may well not find that in your version. Um, but the Passion Translation says it. Passion Translation says it like this. So they came to where a large crowd had gathered to wait for Jesus. A man came and knelt before him and said, Lord, please show your tender mercy toward my son. He has a demon who afflicts him. He has epilepsy and he suffers horribly from seizures. He often falls into the cooking fire or into the river. I brought him to your followers, but they weren't able to heal him. So Jesus replied, where is your faith? Can't you see how wayward and wrong this generation is? How much longer do I stay with you and put up with your doubts? Bring your son to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was instantly healed. Later, the disciples came to him privately and asked, why couldn't we cast out the demon? And he told them, it was because of your lack of faith. I promise you, if you have faith inside of you, no bigger than the size of a small mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from, away from here, go over there, and you will see it move. There's nothing you couldn't do. But this kind of demon is cast out only through prayer and fasting. Alrighty. So what's happening here? What's going on? So essentially we have a, a, bo a boy whose dad is kind of just grieved with how much he's struggling. And, and the dad brings the boy to Jesus' disciples and, and they pray for him, but they're not able to heal him. And so he brings him to Jesus. And Jesus has some things to say about faith and then prays and the boy is instantly healed. And a little bit later on, the disciples kind of come to Jesus and are trying to sort of figure out what's going on. And essentially like, like, what's the deal here? Why couldn't we heal him and yet you could? And so Jesus talks about faith. He talks about it's, the, it's a lack of faith. Um, and he says, listen, all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed, which if you're not a gardener, like it's a tiny seed. It's pretty much the smallest one there is, right? So th this is super clear in the kingdom. The amount of faith we have is flat out never the issue. That's not what Jesus is concerned with. What he calls us to is take the tiny amount of faith we have or maybe the huge amount of faith we have, but we take it and we plant it and we move towards 
the mountain, whatever that mountain might look like. So he's like, it doesn't matter if you haven't got a little bit of faith. Take the little bit you have and speak to that mountain and say go, and it will. So it's like what this faith looks like. But there's the, here's the thing. Interestingly, if you notice, Jesus says, here's the deal, there's faith. Faith, all you need is faith as size of a mustard seed. Um, but then he, but when you look at the story, he says this demon is only going to come out through prayer and fasting. But what doesn't happen is the boy is brought to Jesus and he recognizes that, says, you know, we need to pray and fast. They go away and they pray and fast for two weeks and then come back and then Jesus heals the boy. That's not what happens. Jesus heals the boy instantly in the moment, which is the thing the disciples couldn't do. What's the difference? Where does the prayer and fasting bit come in? I, the difference is Jesus' lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Jesus must have been praying and fasting in order for that to happen, but it wasn't in the moment. It was way before that, that mountain presented itself. Jesus had just a lifestyle of prayer and fasting in the secret place. So yes, faith sometimes looks like us stepping out in risk, moving towards that mountain. That is planting our seed of faith and praying for that person to be healed. What Jesus is saying is, listen, there are times and places where what's even more important is, is faith in a seed form that looks like I'm preparing myself. So what Jesus had done in his history in private had prepared him for this breakthrough in the present in public. Does that make sense? And it's, it's a lack of faith if we don't invest as much in that preparation as actually a lack of faith if we don't step out in the moment. Does that make sense? So this is what these 14 days are about. Actually, it's a way that we position ourselves, we prepare ourselves and demonstrate faith in order that there'll be moments in our future where we're going to speak to mountains and see them move. That's why it's so important. It demonstrates faith by preparation, being devoted and disciplined. But absolutely, and listen, I want us to be a church like that. I want us to really commit to the process. And I think we talk about that a lot. I, I, th- I feel like we could do a good job at saying, listen, we are all on a journey um, and, and we want to prepare and, and understand that God is with us and, and we just we want to be persevering and keep going. Let, let's not stop doing that. But we also, I really want us to be people who have faith for, for the breakthrough in the moment. And sometimes in the church, we can kind of, even in sort of maybe strands of the church, you know, certain groups of the church will be, you know, all about the process, you know, and others are all about the breakthrough now, you know, in the moment. Listen, God does both of those things. He's the God of the slowly and the God of the suddenly. It's pretty much his two speeds, right? So these 14 days are an opportunity to sow in faith in preparation and absolutely pray big prayers, speaking to those mountains and expecting them to move. Is that all right? The final thing I want to say is this, is when we're, when we're praying and fasting, absolutely, and there's times in the Bible and there's things that we're going to be you know, encouraging one another to pray that are about specific needs, like pointing out specific things, and that is absolutely right. Um, but I want us in all of it to, to hold right in front of us that we're first and foremost, we're seeking God's face, not his hand. We're seeking who he is and to know him more and to be known by him, not just seeking his hand in terms of the things that he can do for us, with us, through us. But, but let's seek him for those things. But first and foremost, it's for his hand. It's recognizing that he is the prize, not the things he's going to do for us. It's him. He is our very great reward. It's not like, and you know, I want to make sure we don't have the idea that God is like some divine vending machine and we think, right, I want that thing on row four and prayer and fasting is what I have to put in in order to get out what I want. Like that's so transactional. That's not it. Like all of those things in that vending machine are yes and amen, right? We looked at that in Psalm 91 a few weeks ago. 
the 7,000 and something promises of God in the Bible, they are all yes and amen in Jesus for you and I. But that doesn't mean we just get to sit on our backside and they'll just fall in our lap. There's stuff we need to do to position ourselves to receive those promises. That is what prayer and fasting is. It is positioning ourselves for those things. And so in that, I want to encourage you not to look at these next two weeks so much as focusing on what you're going to have to give up, what it's going to cost you, but actually to change our thinking, to actually recognize what am I, what am I going to gain? And it's Jesus. You know, even, even where we went in worship, actually there's, there's none but Jesus. He's the only one for me. He's all I need. Actually not so concerned with what am I giving up, but actually what am I going to gain as we focus on him? And I think as we do that, I'm genuinely excited about this, this period of time because I think it's going to position us um, as a people of faith who are in genuine faith-filled expectation that God's going to move, not slightly passive um, kids sat in entitlement. Like, I want us to be expectant. I don't want us to be entitled, which is just, well, I'm going to get it all anyway, right? That's, that's not healthy faith. I think, it's going to, I think it's a really exciting time of preparation, not being stuck in presumption. And it's going to remind us, it's going to, I suppose, refocus that point where we really genuinely recognize our total dependence on God in the process and absolutely for the breakthrough as well. Um, so I want to encourage you, listen, this might be really new to you. You might have never fasted before. Kind of the idea of really going after things in prayer might be new. And that is totally fine. It, it, you know, we are, we are not looking for experts in anything. Honestly, the deal is, let's just start somewhere. Let's just do something. Let's just have a go. God is absolutely not looking. He's not concerned with our ability. He's wanting our availability that says, here I am. I'm going to jump in and I'm going to have a go. Right? There's no such thing as a good or bad prayer. There's just kids who God really wants to talk to and listen to. That's it, right? I want to finish with this it was a quote I found from Max Lucado, who's a Christian writer, just to encourage you. He says this, Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. That's good, right? The power is not in me fasting or me praying. The power is in the one that I'm focusing on too. And so absolutely our prayers shake and change history so we want to be encouraged by that before we dive into the um the nuts and bolts i want to talk quite practically i guess i would just want to again say that um to us as a community whether you jump into this 14 day prayer and fasting with us or not like there, there is really a, no pressure you can respond however you feel like you need to but we really do want to see the lord do something in a, us at a cultural level and not just a programmatic level there's there's um, you know, we will probably every year. We just felt coming into this year, the, the Lord wanted us to to mark the beginning of the year, and probably the beginning of every year. We're taking some time to really pray and fast together as a community. And interestingly, like even just saying that, that there will be future times when, as a community, we'll pray and fast. It almost feels like, okay, well, that's that's my prayer and fasting done bit at the beginning of the year. That's the program. Get with the program. It's not really it. I just want to hold that in front of us as we, as, we, as we move forward together, that we would hold each other forward towards what God wants to birth in us, what he wants to catalyze in us through the season, not thinking oh, the win of this thing is as all having done 14 days prayer and fasting. That's not it. It's like, God, would you establish something much deeper in me that would really shape and, and form 
the nature of how we do relationship together, how in my prayer life I, I, I'm nurturing that normal um, reality of intimacy with you. And, and that's why I want to, again, just keep holding in front of us. We're after building a culture, not a program here. But hey, there's some nuts and bolts things that we want to talk to you about, um, I guess, going through it. You should have all got a flyer. Did you all grab one of these as you came in? Grab that now. You can have a little look at that. We're just going to run through some of that. Um, if you need one of those, hosts can bring it around or you can grab one on the way out. You've got one of those flyers. In fact, hosts, could you as well, do you want to start giving out, just pass these boxes around with the wristbands? All right, so I'll just say this. So what you're about to get is, this This is a bit, This will be odd for you because it's like reverse offering. So the same boxes are coming that we do the offering. Inside those boxes, uh, there are some, some wristbands that, like say, that say pray first. They're purple slash lilac, uh, and they say pray first on them. Listen, we wanted to do this because as we step into this um, season, just um, one of those beautiful little reminders, those little um, things, it, uh, just practically having something that you can hold on to, something that's going to be with you, something that in the morning when you wake up, uh, when it's kind of restricted all of the blood flow to your hand, your hands asleep, you just wake up thinking, I can't feel my hand, I should pray. Like all of these things are just super helpful. And so grab one of those or a number of those bands. Listen, if you're not planning to do the, um, the 14 days prayer and fasting, Grab a band anyway. This is not just about doing the 14 days. This is about really saying and setting ourselves towards prayer as a community. So grab one of the purple bands, put it on. Um, it'll go with any outfit. We chose the color because it's color neutral. It's going to go with your eyes. It's, gonna, it's beautiful. Um, but here's some practical things as those bands come around. All righty. I mean, all of this information is on the flyer. It is also all on the website, firelife.co.uk forward slash pray first. But... Um, I want to encourage you with a fasting bit. It's, we're totally going to leave the details of that over to you. But there's some ideas here. And on the website, there's lots of kind of, if you've got some particular questions, there's lots of information on there as well. But you know, it might look like a complete fast. Um, and it might not be for the whole 14 days, but maybe for some days, actually, it's just, you know, it's a water fast. It Maybe you do a partial fast. You think, do you know what? I'm going to give up a meal every day and have that as time to kind of really pray and spend the Lord. It might be certain foods. It might be um, a selective fast. For example, a Daniel fast where we... Um, Basically, you eat what Daniel and his buddies did in the book of Daniel, which is pretty much fruit, veg, and nuts. McDonald's, um, I heard. It's not McDonald's, although I believe you can have their fries on a Daniel fast. Um, it may be, actually, it's like, do you know what? It's not going to be a food thing. If you are a breastfeeding mum, please do not fast. If you are diabetic, please don't fast. Like, just be sensible. So it may be like, actually, it's not going to be food or drink type stuff. It might be, you know, social media or, you know, electronic tablets, or it might be a something else that you normally consume that you can you can actually voluntarily give up. But again, remember, it's not, the power is not in the giving up. It's the, the giving up in order to focus on God. But there's loads of details on there. The other thing we wanted to say is, is definitely do it alone. Don't do it alone. Don't just kind of get your head down and crack on with it. And while we're not going to set up sort of multiple prayer meetings from, from here, we're not going to do that centrally for you. I would really encourage you to be thinking about what that might look like for you and thinking, actually, might, maybe you can sort of call some friends or open up your home for an hour one, one week this week and, and again next week and say, hey, why don't we get it? Let's pray together. So feel very free to do that. I would just say to that as well, like for some of you, maybe even new to the community, you're like, hey, I'm new to Vine Life. I don't know many people around here. Maybe you've done one round of city groups. You met a handful of people like Community really is a, a thing. Friendships are something that you get to build. But building them out around things like, hey, could we get together and could we pray together? I doubt there's anybody in this room that even if you never met them before, if after this morning you went over and said, 
here's two things. One, I'm really looking for some friendships. And two, could we get together and pray? I'd be highly surprised if anyone in this room said, uh, no, I'm not really game for that. Thanks, though. <laughs> highly surprised. If they do, come and talk to me because <laughs> we've got some work to do. Um, but, I, I, you know, in terms of forming friendships that is really part of the normal life, let alone the normal Christian life. Like, go form and forge these things around getting together and praying. Don't look for people that are your own age. Like, find people that are different to you. Like, you don't need the same demographic. You don't need necessarily to even be in the same location, in the same city. Like, just meeting people here and saying, I'd really love to get together. You've got a pulse. I've got a pulse. How about we don't get together for a meal, but we drink some water together and pray? Like, this is the way that we can do this thing. And, and, and building community around some of these beautiful things that the Lord invites us into is a great opportunity for us to build genuine community. Don't wait for, for the church to build friendships for you. Go find some friends that are sat next to you and say, I'd like to pray with you this week and meet some people. There are some amazing people in the room. Amazing. So don't do it alone. And, and keep in touch with us. Your prayer and testimony cards are out every single week because like, we want to hear what God's doing. Like, I'm genuinely expecting that we're going to hear great stories of what God's done. So do, do let us know. Now, here's the clever technological bit. I should probably do you this You should then. probably do this bit. You should. So we said don't do it alone. But also one of the things that we want to do is um, we want to, for you guys to sign up to a text devotional. So we've, we've mapped out for, for the 14 days um, some input that we're going to be, we can text over to you if you sign up for our um, devotional. So you can do this. There's a QR code. That's that little black and white thing. In fact, the QR code is going to go on the screen. So if you've got your phone, pull it out now. And you can go just take a picture of that QR code and it should automatically set you up a little text message that you just press send to and we'll do the rest for you. Just so open you can, up your camera. So I'm just looking at Emma camera, with her puzzled face like, take what? A, take a picture. <laughs> what on earth? Listen, if, you, it, if, you, if it doesn't this work one. because maybe you've got an Android or an older iPhone, <laughs> there are plenty of other churches you can go to. Just feel free, move on. I'm just kidding. I love you. It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> That's not the response I got from first service. So take a picture of that. Failing that, you can just go onto the website this afternoon, sign up for those text devotionals. You'll start getting them every morning. Sarah, what are some of those things going to do and how are they helpful? So it's super simple. So you're sometimes like, actually, I don't know what to pray. So it's like, it's a little framework. So every 14 days, the first bit of everyone is a psalm. And I would encourage you, praying out loud, like reading the psalms out loud is amazing. It's a really good way to kind of focus in on the Lord. So there's a psalm. Sometimes there's some couple of quotes, thoughts about prayer. And sometimes we've used some, like, some old prayers, like centuries old, that kind of the believers have been praying for centuries. We can pray those things out loud. And then there's always going to be three points in terms of, hey, here's specific things we'd love for you to be praying for today. Um, this is one of the things we've thought, what we're aiming for, is what would it look like for however many 400 and odd folks of us here if we committed to pray for 14 minutes for 14 days, right? 14 minutes is not a whole lot of time. I think there's plenty of people who can do a whole lot more than that in a day, but, but we could all do that, right? I know life is busy, but for 14 days, actually just to commit to pray for 14 minutes, and that devotional will give you a little bit of a framework. You don't have to do it, um, but that might help. The final thing we want to say is um, that in two weeks' time, we want to kind of break the fast together. Um, so every month, we have a, a prayer and worship night at room, called Room at the Anchor, um, which falls on the 17th of February, so that's two weeks today in the evening at half seven. If you've never been before... I'd really encourage you to come. It's just an amazing time where we get just to worship. There's more time and space and really pray together. Um, 
but I would particularly encourage you to have that in your diary um, for after these 14 days for us to gather together and pray break the fast together we'll probably have some treats some stuff that you've not had for two weeks um, so McDonald's, I'd encourage you right? no not McDonald's okay, no it's McDonald's. punishment not treats alrighty I think we're done have I forgotten Let's anything why don't you stand up I am um, I would love for us to kind of pray for each other as we jump into this season, if that's all right. So why don't you um, scooch up to the person next to you, just place a hand on their shoulder. I want us to um, pray one of Paul's apostolic prayers. So there's, there's things that Paul writes in his letters where he says um, to the people he's writing to, hey friends, this is what I'm praying for you. They are brilliant prayers to pray for one another. So it's gonna come up on the screen. This is one of them um, from Ephesians 1. And um, we're gonna pray that out loud. Pray it for the person next to you. Say, I am praying for you, that you would know God. Is that all right? I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory of his Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen.